This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Sterling Planet. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. And thank you, Scott Slade. It is a great day to save money or save energy wherever you might find yourself today. Be green. I'm Tim Eccles. My co-host is John Noel, and you're, you've tuned in to Energy Matters, where we want to help you save money especially, but we want to help you save energy. We want to help you utilize all this cool technology out there, and ultimately, you'll be more sustainable uh, because of it. Right, that's John? Right. That's right. That's what's, That's why we're here. Yeah, and John, you've done a lot of this stuff that we talk about on the show. You've got the condensate collection. You've got the solar on your house. You've got the solar thermal. You heat your pool. Uh, with you know with with solar you've got a garden out there you drive a tesla so you're, you're living it i'm going to show you pretty soon a new cool thing we'll talk about it and i'll do a little video put it on my twitter new energy guy but uh the uh this biomass bio biogasifier that takes waste uh and and turns it into methane and fuel you can burn to do some grilling outside yeah it's like and a we, micro you know we've talked about composting on the show before mm-hmm. we had christian baskin with lettucecompost.com Great. i even did a segment out in my yard helping people see how to build a compost pile kevin kershey's with us from uga kevin you done any composting uh, either at home or at the university y'all do that we do indeed i've got a compost bin at home um not as well managed as our significant compost operation at uga the bioconversion center uh, i've got about three Whoa. Three acres of windrows uh, where we compost all leaf and limb debris from landscape operations, um, food scraps from dining halls, and animal bedding. Wow, I'd love to see that. You know, folks, it's a fun field trip, actually. Yeah. Folks that come to campus, they see the beautiful landscaping, the beautiful flower beds. Those don't happen by accident, right? You're 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 actually composting and using some of that soil on campus. We are. You're right. It doesn't happen by accident. We've got a great team of uh, staff that work hard to keep the grounds beautiful. Um, but we bring compost that we generate back to campus to restore campus soils, um, to keep the campus verdant, um, and we use it to. Um, supplement soils and um, enhance the soil at uh, community and uh, school gardens around town as well you wow. had me at verdant wow <laughs> this is folks you're, you're not only going to get continuing education credit here we're going to improve your vocabulary no on, question. Uh, on this show also in studio frequent guest john mcfarland uh, back for another round talking about um commercial buildings and the stuff that he's done with working buildings welcome back john thanks tim yeah so we're going to be talking about something that's important to me, John Noel, in this session, and that is the UGA campus. It's a place where mm. I not only uh, I not only matriculated and achieved three degrees, but I met a beautiful woman there ah, named Wendy there are, Davis, yes, and I indeed. engaged her in the Myers parking lot. Um, oh. And you know what? They said if you, you walk... You didn't get engaged. You just engaged her in No, 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 no. I, I got engaged. You I got, got engaged in the parking lot. Yeah, I got engaged in the parking lot. Okay, I missed and, that one. You know, they, they, they said that if you walked under that arch out there, uh-huh. that you would be sterile. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is a lie. It is a, it's a horrible lie. Uh because I have seven children to prove it. <laughs> and I walked under that arch. I guess just daring, daring fate. But um, but it is, uh, it, it is not true. So er- yeah, everybody Anything. listening know that you go Anything. ahead and walk through the arch. Don't, don't worry about it. Kevin, I'd like to talk about some of the some of the sustainability stuff that you've done. And I want to have John McFarland chime in because he's commissioned a lot of these and have him chime in from time to time, as will John Noel and I. So... Uh, maybe take us from your proudest moment to uh, to some other projects you've done. Great. Well, thanks. Well, um, when I think about sustainability at UGA, the first thing that comes to mind is our students. Um, looking at the last decade or so, um, students voted to establish the green fee that uh, all students pay. It's a mandatory student fee, uh, $3 per semester, fall and spring semesters. Uh, that effort actually established my job and my office. So the wow. students voted. Thank you, students. We are uh, very grateful and always looking for ways to continue to engage with our students. Um, John, it sounds like they're making good Democrats over there. Uh, I, <laughs> hey, I kind of like it. Hey, voting that way, certainly. Pay, pay an extra, pay an a green fee, pay a tax here. 
<laughs> Creating jobs. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah right. <laughs> so anyway, Kevin, just ignore our political rants here. I know, uh, I know that you're 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 here in a neutral position. So tell us uh, tell us about some of the other things. So well, some of the ways that students are involved um, in the last uh, decade or so, we established a, a certificate in sustainability. Now, where students from all huh. disciplines can get a, it's basically an interdisciplinary minor to supplement a degree in art or business or ecology or forestry, uh, journalism. So students from all across campus are engaging in sustainability and faculty are incorporating sustainability principles into courses um, of all disciplines. Um, I know the commission approved uh, the solar array out on millage uh, that Radiance put in and it's got different type of uh, solar technology near the practice field out there. Is that being uh, utilized by students? Do you see students, professors, uh, groups, schools going out there? It, it is. There's uh, Groups are able to visit the site, and students in the College of Engineering are looking at different tracking systems and seeing what's most effective um, in terms of a, a standard pa- panel that's uh, fixed in place or different types of panels that move to follow the sun to uh, try to get the most uh, efficient use of uh, solar energy. Because the generation. angle matters. That's, that, that's yeah. right. Mm. Um, the uh, College of Business is looking at um, economics of those systems as well. You know, uh, when I was getting, I guess, my first master's there, I was in a, a, a PR course and we were assigned to do a PR project for Power Partners Solar. It, it was it was when they were making solar thermal panels out there. They had bought the patent from California, and they were making these. And I had never seen a solar panel before that. Uh, I guess it was in maybe 2006 when I when I went over there. We designed a brochure for them, and and that's I, when you got engaged. And and that's. <laughs> I was engaged way before that to my wife. That's oh, when I oh, got, oh, I'm talking about the other engagement. Yeah, yeah. That's the what, other love of your life. That's when I got engaged yeah, in, yeah. In, in energy, and I did a – I remember doing for that class a survey, an energy survey for Republicans uh, that – they could fill out to see what their energy habits were, like closing wow. the blinds. There Mostly were no... blank, I assume. <laughs> no, yeah. no. You know what I found out in that in that energy survey is that if it led to saving money, the Republicans were doing uh, it. Yeah. So, but <laughs> money money does matter, John. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it matters for Democrats too. It uh, does. Uh, so. Uh, all right, Kevin. So I interrupted you. Uh, let's get back to what's going on uh, at UGA. I was just saying, you know, a shout out to the Grady College over there for including a solar PR project. And in what there. are you doing to save money? I mean, let's follow that money trail because sustainability is, yes, it's about doing the right thing. That's important. Sometimes that costs more, contrary to what our Republican friends like to think. But I think it's also important to understand that a lot of the good stuff actually saves us money. So tell me what those things are. Our focus on conserving energy. So if we use less, we're spending less, and uh, we've reduced energy use by 22% since, uh, or uh, per square foot since 2007, uh, and that directly corresponds to spending less and avoiding costs. Um, we removed our coal, the last remaining coal-fired boiler on campus. Y'all had a coal-fired boiler We campus. did, um, but we no longer do. In 2015, we bas- burned our last uh, piece of coal on campus. Um, that There's a million great reasons uh, for us to make that change. Um, but economics was a significant part of that. We looked at the life cycle um, of the, you know, keeping that coal-fired boiler operational versus changing it to a new technology. We ended up going with an electrode uh, boiler. Um, but uh, and Georgia Power said thank you. Yeah, they they uh, they're good partners. Actually, uh, that Georgia Power was instrumental in making that they, change, as was the Public Service Commission. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and long term, the university is saving a tremendous amount of money. Um, using the new system yeah and reducing a carbon footprint of you know, the school we just approved a pipeline up in floyd county that uh international paper wanted to close their coal boiler and switch over to a natural gas so they needed a bigger pipe so they chipped in a little money uh the uh the interruptible customers through the the universal access uh fund on the bottom of gas bills for the commercial customers they chipped in some uh, and AGL chipped in some, and so we're going to be able to convert this paper company off of coal to natural gas. And I would imagine we're going to continue to close coal plants around the state as those plants reach the end of their useful life. Let me bring John McFarland into this conversation because we were talking about doing things that make sense economically, and uh, you, you guys you guys commission various different things. 
that water project that you did for NCR, that that cistern where they're collecting water off of their building and they're, you know, I'm sure it was expensive to put in, but compared to Atlanta water bills for the next hundred years, right? right. That they're going to actually save money. Don't they're going to save money. Yeah, it was an investment, and I think that's what we need to look at. The sustainability things we're doing; those are investments of of dollars now to save future dollars, and especially where those future dollars potentially are at a higher risk. You know, water rates. There's certainly a risk with water rates going up, so it's an investment now to hedge against a future risk. Yeah, you know, you think about Athens, Georgia, and folks, our listeners, you know, obviously we're in the Athens area, but this show gets played uh, all over the place. If you've never been to Athens, we have a river running through Athens. Beautiful, beautiful. And and actually, you know, those old school UGA guys, we call it Harvard on the Oconee. Uh, (laughs) You know, we call UGA Harvard on the Oconee. But at one time, the Oconee River was a clean river. It was a place where... You know, it can be again where Absolutely. where people you know actually wanted to to go and walk beside it. Uh, I know, Kevin, that's something that's on top of your mind and having having cleaner water, you know, flowing you know around our campus. Uh, is that something students are interested in? It is. We uh, we actually had a, a campus wide experiential learning initiative called Watershed UGA, where we were engaging um, faculty and students from all disciplines to think about first of all what is a watershed, uh, and what are my impacts in my watershed, and how can I be restorative uh, and and enhance and what is a watershed? watershed? Just explain. You know what? Let's explain when we come back. Oh, uh, because in this uh, in this in this next segment, I want to keep talking about watershed. I want to keep talking about water usage and water management with Kevin Kershey and John McFarlane and my co-host John Doyle. I'm Tim Eccles. Stay tuned for more Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854, Row Insulating Company. Rope. Support for Energy Matters comes from Sterling Planet. Our friends at Sterling Planet want to help you meet your environmental and business goals with renewable energy. From understanding RECs or renewable energy certificates to a carbon offset plan to innovative white tags, which are energy efficiency certificates, they can help you navigate the corporate green energy world. See more at sterlingplanet.com. Yeah, great folks there, John. And we were talking about watershed and water. Water is increasingly becoming an expensive commodity and an important commodity. You see companies, commercial buildings, uh, thinking about filtration, thinking about uh, how they capture water and what they do with it. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. Hey, this is Energy Matters on the Road. I'm Tim Eccles, and I've got somebody in studio that I've been wanting to talk to a long time, Wilson Mallard, in charge of renewables for Georgia Power. Welcome, Wilson. Thank you, Commissioner Eccles. And, man, you are you are comfortable in Athens, Georgia. You were here as a geography major? Geography major. That was where all the weather and climate classes were when I was going to school. I wanted to be a weatherman. Changed my mind, but it turns out uh, a lot of that information is really useful in the renewable energy world where I find myself today. Yeah, I had weather and climate. I wasn't really good on that south part of campus with sciences, and so I opted for that weather and climate thinking it would be an easier course, but that, that thing's got a lot of memorization involved. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of math and science involved, both. But again, uh, a lot of that experience translates really well to the energy industry uh, where I work today. Yeah. So you work at Georgia Power. You have been working in the renewable space. 
of renewable energy space for some time. I mean, you really were an early pioneer there, weren't you? We were. It was back in the in the mid two thousands. Georgia Power's green energy program came about in two thousand and six, and uh, I worked on it from almost all the way back in the beginning, and was really there, uh, sort of by plan, but also by accident as. Customers became more interested in renewable energy as the cost of solar continued to go down and as Georgia Power and the Public Service Commission both realized the benefits that renewable energy could could bring to Georgia, uh, yeah, was at the right place at the right time and have been involved for the last, gosh, 10 years plus watching the incredible evolution and the growth of renewable energy here in Georgia. We've talked about perceptions of energy on our show before. We had Jackie, Dr. Jackie Tidwell on. She's a linguist and we've gone back and forth uh, on our show with perceptions of various types of energy from coal to biomass to renewables how has the perception of say solar panels or renewable energy how has that changed through these through these years that you've worked in this space? Well, I think it's changed a lot. I, uh, to begin with, there was a lot of skepticism, and people just weren't sure how solar worked, and there was a, a perception, and, and there was the reality that solar cost more back in the day. But again, as technology advances have, have come along, as the cost of solar has come down, uh, we've really seen more and more people embrace it, and it is mainstream. Uh, our renewable energy portion of our portfolio at Georgia Power is ever growing and it's becoming a core part of our business. So uh, the difference over the last, say, 10 to 15 years in uh, the comfort level that uh, our customers, our employees, our regulators have with renewable energy has really changed a lot. And I do feel like uh, most folks embrace it now and realize that it is uh, an important and growing part of our mix. Yeah. How has companies, uh, commercial customers, how have they changed in in how they viewed it has this been driven by sustainability directors who maybe went to a college and got a degree or is this driven by by the media is it driven by uh by 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 trade associations that's that's pushing this or is it individuals how how is this 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 green evolution happening in our in our in our commercial businesses in particular well all those folks play a role commissioner uh Everybody likes the notion, likes the idea of clean and renewable energy and the benefits that it brings to the environment, brings to the community, brings to our state. Uh, when it costs more and significantly more, those hurdles were hard for a lot of folks to get over to be able to embrace it. But what we see as the costs come down and renewable energy becomes competitive with other forms of generation, uh, the chief sustainability officer and the chief financial officer both start to see the value proposition the same way. Uh, investing in solar, investing in renewable energy uh, has the ability to be cost effective and also deliver uh, the extra benefits. That, that folks are looking for. So it's been that convergence uh, of, of cost and environmental benefit that has really uh, allowed many more people to become interested and to, and to embrace and, and adopt solar. So when you think about the evolution of solar energy in particular in Georgia, how, how, would, you, how would you describe that in, in narrative? How, how, how do you, I know we've got an incredible graph here and it's going straight up. Uh, and so clearly we've had more and more panels deployed, but how, how do you describe that to people in words? So Georgia is a state that does not have any sort of mandate. We have a, a really uh, unique market as far as electricity goes. We're a vertically integrated utility. Georgia Power uh, serves about half the customers in the state. We're regulated by the Georgia Public Service Commission, and we're in a state that doesn't have any type of a renewable portfolio standard or RPS. There's no sort of goals uh, for particular amounts of renewables but what we've done is we've embraced renewable technologies as the technologies have improved and become more efficient and as the cost has come down we've done it in a way that we've let economics drive the solution and so as the cost has come down as we've seen those those benefits become available to more customers we've seen renewables grow now a lot of other states may have been earlier adopters than we were but i would argue we waited till the time was right and we really hit the sweet spot as it comes to 
adding more renewables to our to our, our portfolio. The cost of solar has really come down in the last 10 years. Our adoption of solar has come up. Other renewable uh, forms of generation are in our portfolio as well, including wind and biomass. And that's really what guides Georgia Power uh, with the help of the Georgia Public Service Commission to try to seek that portfolio that delivers the most benefits to our customers. And renewables is playing a bigger and bigger role. And in the mix with the other the uh, benefits of a diverse portfolio, we really are seeking the best combination of price and reliability and watching uh, the evolution of renewables and seeing how they are contributing to that mix and really becoming a uh, playing a bigger role uh, has been interesting to watch and, and I'm really proud of the work that Georgia Power uh, again in conjunction with the Georgia Public Service Commission and our really engaged stakeholders here in Georgia we've created a renewable market that's second to none in the country and really excited about how it's growing. So people from Atlanta they don't necessarily get down to Bainbridge, Georgia, or Reynolds, Georgia, or where some of these massive solar arrays are. And so they they may come by our commission and shout clean energy now, we need more, but they may not realize how much we have and what, it, what an impact is having on our grid. And I try to explain to people that the way we've done solar is actually you know, just fractionally lowering the rates for everybody, that is a hard concept for people to get a handle on. How does that happen when you when you put a lot of solar energy on the grid the way that we've done it? How, how does that play out in terms of a person's bill in actually benefiting everybody? Again, one of the one of the benefits of being in a market like we are in in Georgia is Georgia Power serves the entire state and we have an interconnected grid. And so energy that's added to the grid at any part of the state really goes to benefit all customers. And that's been a principle that uh, the commission has stuck to and, and Georgia Power believes in as well, that we want to add renewables such that they benefit all of our customers. And so when we go out and procure renewable energy, we really are seeking the lowest cost renewables to create the most benefits for our customers. When that energy is added to the grid, it benefits all customers. We have a, a grid that's got thousands of generators interconnected, serving millions of customers. There's so many benefits coming from having that uh, very large grid and all of that load aggregated together and all these generators serving them at the same time. You really get very uh, incredible economies of scale. We're able to uh, contract with very large solar facilities that are able to produce energy at very low cost. All customers benefit when that energy is added to the grid. And you've added a community solar program. And this is something that, that I promote at the commission and everywhere I go. How does, how does a community solar program work and who's the best person to subscribe to a block of green energy? So the concept for Community Solar Commissioner is that a customer who may not be a good candidate to install solar on their roof of their home or business or adjacent to their home or business but still wants to support solar, still wants to experience some of the benefits of solar, the concept for Community Solar is that Georgia Power will build uh, a pretty large solar facility. We've got one that's on the ground right now already producing in Comer, Georgia, a couple of more that are under construction right now uh, in the near the Augusta area and near the Savannah area and so customers are able to buy in to these larger uh, solar facilities that Georgia Power uh, is building they're able to subscribe to the output. And so for $24.99 a month, a customer can subscribe to the output of one kW of solar, one kilowatt, and really they get all the benefits of that solar as if it were on their rooftop. They get the uh, bill uh, bill reducing effects, they get to claim the envir environmental benefits. It really is a virtually virtually as though solar is on the, the roof of their home or business. And we would encourage all customers, if you're interested in supporting solar in Georgia, Georgia Power's Community Solar Program is a great way for residential customers to be able to support solar uh, without having to install solar and, and make that long-term financial, financial commitment. Let's wrap up this segment of Energy Matters on the Road by you giving the website that people can go to to find out more about Community Solar. Just go to 
www.georgiapower.com solar and you'll see all of Georgia Power solar offerings. We're really proud to offer uh, a pretty broad menu of solar options. We're there for customers who do want to run the numbers and uh, get the financial information, understand what it would take to put solar at their home or business. But we also want to offer simple solar, community solar, and other programs for our commercial and industrial customers. Visit that page and all of the information is there and we stand at the ready to help customers make their best energy decisions. And there you have it. You've been with Energy Matters on the road. We now resume our regular scheduled program. Well, John, you're on Twitter at New Energy Guy. New Energy Guy. I'm at Tim Eccles, and we hope folks will stick around to learn more because energy does matter every single day. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host in the studio with me for this half hour. Again, John Noel, my co-host. Good morning. And great to have our regular guest and uh, superstar, Allie Kelly from the Ray here. Hey, Allie. Good morning. Hey, you know, uh, you recently did this TED X talk. I know everybody watches these TED talks uh, and you get motivated by it. What was it like doing one of these talks? Because I think I'd like to try it one day, but I just don't know if I'm up for it. Well, it's an experience, <laughs> and I survived. So yeah. those are the headlines. Right. Um, it's six months plus of work. Wow. wow. Um, you develop your speech for mm-hmm. TEDx with the TED organization. You start with an outline and you develop it all the way through a narrative to a speech that you have to memorize word for word. That's because like homework. Word they, for homework. word. Yeah. Yeah. They translate it into other languages for the global TED audience. So you have to memorize your speech and you are not allowed notes or a teleprompter or a podium. What? And you also have to advance your own slides. So when you finally get on the stage six months later, uh-huh. you're looking at 900, 1,000 faces in the crowd. You have lights on you because you're on a stage. And you have to remember what wow. your 13 minutes of speech is while advancing your own slides and trying to smile. How hard, <laughs> uh, uh, how hard was it to memorize? Because I'm, I'm not a speech memory person. I always am um, yeah. extemporaneous. Right. But uh, how much did you remember and how much wound up being extemporaneous? Or are you not allowed to say? Well, I I felt like I needed to remember all of it because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to deviate from a translation that was given to another country. So I stuck to it after having practiced it for dozens of times. I can't even tell you more than 50 times I practiced it, probably more closer to 100 times that I practiced it and on different audiences. Um, You know, I practiced it on not just my family where you feel most comfortable, but I practiced it in front of people who do not work in transportation or technology to see what I needed to improve on or how my delivery needed to change. And then I also practiced it on people who are right in the middle of advanced mobility and transportation technology. So... Wow. So let's test. Let's test your no, no. young mind here. Uh, uh, you know, being that you're on the air and you don't know that I'm going to ask you this question. Do you remember 
like the first line of the speech right now? Could you give that to me? Just say the first the first line of your TEDx. Oh, yeah, your I don't TEDx. know if I can. Yeah. The pressure is really hard right yeah. now. <laughs> hey, well, he can't even remember anything. He's got to get the Republican hey. talking points. He's got to sit behind a teleprompter. But Tim wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 58, and <laughs> and I just I just can't hardly remember anything. In fact, my daughter came in the other day, and you know, and said, "Hey, Dad, where's Mom?" I said, "Well, she's taking a nap." Uh, you can talk to her later, but we're going to bed early. She said, all y'all do is sleep. I, I, I'm going, look, honey, that's what old people do. <laughs> so, so uh, anyway. I do, I do remember it. Okay, give it to me. Yeah, yeah. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is what Rhodes looked like at the beginning of the 20th century. Oh. Horses and buggies sharing the roadway with the occasional early motor car. Wow. Wow! Great. And, and, so and now, and now, everyone image. has to go and Google sketch it. Sketch the image. Sketch the image for people to see. Oh, but yeah. I mean, there are uh, there's video from the early 1900s of people pushing cars down a roadway that is congested with horses and buggies. And, um, and, and trolleys. So the next day, next year, whatever it is. Yeah. The yeah then, um, less than 50 years later, there is video footage of traffic jams where every American family is a two-car family and we all end up in traffic. Wow, this is, a, th- this is a great transition really for us to talk about disruptive technology. Yep. And so you kind of took your, your TEDx or TED audience, how do you say that? TEDx Atlanta. Your TEDx Atlanta audience, I guess, through some transitions as you think about how, how rail disrupted buggies and how cars disrupted rail we hear about evs that may disrupt uh the current ice engines internal combustion engines and by car ownership t- yeah, and car ownership and the insurance business and 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 eventually leading way to autonomous vehicles disrupting things in our economy by 2031 and we're regularly updating this with our audience Allie. do you still feel like 2031 would be accurate, or do you see it happening sooner, and why? Well, predictions at your own peril. I can only tell you that Waymo is operating a car hailing service in Phoenix, across the city, not just in a small area, but across Phoenix and now in San Francisco, where you can choose to call a Waymo car that has no human driver. Oh, hmm. That is happening right now. It's yeah. not going to happen maybe in phoenix you can use your cell phone to call a car with no human driver let, let, let me ask today. you this i mean i know both of you drive teslas and i know tesla has a degree of autonomy uh, um, but I, since since being in a tesla and i don't own one but since being in a tesla own its best autonomous mode and talking more about autonomous vehicles i've started looking at the road and paint and potholes and the way we maneuver traffic with with wrecks and on these kind of things differently how important is is uniform paint and highways to to making an autonomous it car function real important yeah you watch on the way up here i, I noticed that the that the that the lines got a little weak in some area and the detector would say, oh, well, you might want to take over the steering wheel at this point. So your car says, you, you, it tells you it beeps? And yeah, tells yeah you- it beeps or a little notice comes up that says, you know, take a take a hold of the wheel, which in theory you're supposed to have a hold of all the time. So what would happen in a fully autonomous car when when that happened to, to that car? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it locks on to other cars. It locks on to other cars. It, it, it would have satellite navigation at certain points. It uses multiple points of, of, of data. It's not just the line. You know, how about how about you, Allie? I mean, is it is this really realistic? Oh, it's realistic, and it's happening, and it's happening quickly. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. You really need some basic ingredients. You're exactly right. The striping and the signage is incredibly important, and companies like 3M are leading the way in developing and engineering pavement markings that are highly visible to machine vision systems. And we will have that on the Ray later this year. We'll have 13 miles of the most advanced pavement markings and signage that you can um, acquire in the world. Um, You also need a brain. 
You need a software and a computing system that can take in connected vehicle data streams, and connected vehicles are already being manufactured and sold. So this is not futuristic. This is right now we have a growing population of cars that are connected, that are operating on the road, and you need to deploy devices on the side of the road where that car-to-car conversation and that data can be drawn into a central system where you can have a regional or a statewide view on exactly what is happening, exactly where and when it's Allie happening. Allie Kelly, Executive Director of the Ray, everybody. So, Allie, t- just tell us again, what's the Ray for the new list? The Ray is the only living laboratory in a public interstate environment in this country and possibly the world where we are testing, demonstrating, piloting, and scaling future forward transportation infrastructure and technology we are the future of highways well let me ask you this if if it's not mandated by the dot right and you have a weak link let's say you have a rural county that says well we really don't have the budget to be able to do this special machine learning paint so we're not going to do it i mean how could you trust a vehicle to navigate the rural county that you've got to go through to get to your destination Mm -hmm. if it's not mandated that they have it. Well, that's why it's really important that we tackle these challenges and provide the technologies on the interstates because the interstate and the highway system is connecting the metropolitan areas where we may be and want to go. The rural areas, it's frankly going to take some time. The other ingredient that a company like Drive AI or Waymo needs is to have very accurate mapping of the actual lanes. So they do mapping to the centimeter and they do their own mapping. They won't take a data set from an independent party like the Ray because there's so much riding on those data sets for their algorithms and for their systems. They need to make their own data set that they use um, and not take on anyone else's potential liability, potential mistakes. Rural roads. They're not, not right now. Dirt roads. I mean, you know, it's going to hit the interstates. Not right now. But you can know that whenever a company deploys mm-hmm. an autonomous vehicle system where they do not have drivers, you can know that they have already ground truthed every piece of road where they're operating. It's that ground truthing to the centimeter that they need in addition to the striping and in addition to the connected vehicle data platform okay let's take the autonomous levels of your teslas that you drive and i take the uh the rav4 that we have that has you know uh, not as advanced but it does have the the technology where the speed control right uh, slows the vehicle down to a stop if, if somebody in front of if, you slows. if somebody yeah. slows down isn't that just such a game changer to have that level won't that yeah. save lives do we does it matter if we go all the way to the end and get the fully autonomous i mean i'm I'm just wondering is it you know should we just celebrate the moment that we're in right now it matters to handicapped drivers it it matters to people who you know blind people i mean there's a lot of people who don't have the full capabilities we do to to get in a car and drive anywhere they want and if they could just call up a car and it shows up and they just crawl in get in and then next time appear at something, boy, that'd be nice. Yep. It's so, a game changer for older populations. So, Allie, I know y'all are talking about pl- platooning trucks and those kind of things. Let's talk about this in the next segment as we continue to discuss electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and the impact that Love they're going to make in our Love society. You're listening to Energy Matters. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706 795 
2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It's, it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters. Yeah, and they're in a cool place at Atlantic Station. Cool. And more and more, John, we're seeing an Ali uh, Kelly in the studio from The Ray, John Noel, my co-host, I'm Tim Eccles. We're seeing folks take land that... Um, was maybe a landfill, maybe a brownfill, maybe a toxic whatever, and turned it into something really productive. That's right. So very, very exciting. And, Allie, you guys are doing that with uh, an exit ramp down there, aren't you, with the solar? We are. Yeah, Some so of the most neglected and underutilized, poorly leveraged land in the United States is the acreage along the interstate How system. Much? Acreage. Uh, I mean, is it? I mean, it's thousands. Millions. And, oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, just yeah. on the Ray alone, we've got I think nearly 300 acres on an 18 mile stretch. They do of a pretty good job interstate. of clear cutting the sides of interstates. I've noticed. So well, you know, why can't ex- we put something ex- there? It's extremely expensive for state DOTs to maintain this, you know, grassed acreage uh-huh. on the side of the lanes, and so there's a day one benefit for a DOT that works with a utility to develop solar on that property because on day one the DOT is no longer obligated to funding the maintenance of that property so Mm. you're already winning regardless of the other layers of revenue or value that you can build into it as a DOT so folks we're talking about this uh, this 18 miles from uh, essentially coming in from Alabama on Interstate 85, 85. as mm-hmm. you go up from West Point to LaGrange towards Noonan, towards Atlanta, that first 18 miles or so is designated the Ray C. Anderson Memorial Highway. And at exit 14, not on the northbound lane, but on the southbound lane, as you exit, uh, you will be able to see uh, a one megawatt solar array. Alley, first of its kind in the southeast? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll be the third state in the country to pilot what is called roadside or right-of-way solar in the entire country. We follow Oregon and Massachusetts. Oregon did the first back in 2008. So in 10 years, we will be only the third state. And that's an issue that the Ray is trying to address as well, is what can we give state DOTs in all 50 states in order to empower them to follow the same path that we are here in Georgia on the Ray. Can Mm -hmm. we give them information about their right-of-way roadside acreage? Can we give them some information about how much that solar might be worth and what kind of new revenue streams state DOTs can create just by letting utilities operate renewable energy generation on the roadsides? So let, power let, lines cross over the interstates and right. roadways, so it's easy to interconnect, which is the big cost. And when you watch my TEDx talk, you'll see that the longer-term vision is to consider the interstate roadsides for high-voltage DC grid systems, because building out renewable energy on the roadsides will eventually necessitate uh, grid systems that are optimized for renewables to connect those sites, and then also um, what is also known as HVDC or high voltage DC grid lines is a necessary backbone for EV charging lanes, wireless EV charging while you're driving. So if somebody wants to nerd out, where would they go find this TEDx talk? What would it be? Oh, you can uh, TEDx, you can Google Allie or Kelly. go to YouTube. Yeah, look for TEDx oh, Ali Kelly the Ray. It's already up. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you guys have seen the little signs about trash pickup right on the side of the road that you know uh, the section that, adopted. Yeah, adopted by so. Uh, to our listeners out there, you know, you know, picking up trash is one thing, but what the Racy Anderson Foundation, you know, has done through their uh, smaller foundation is is a thousand times, a million times more than that. They are doing all of these cool, cool sustainability projects on 18 miles of essentially federal interstate uh, in that. That's not only the solar array at exit 14, 
But Allie, that's uh, that's that's the coolest restaurant stop in America down there in West Point. What, what all can folks see down there that haven't been there? Well, we have an EV charging station, and it's a it's a fast charging station. So if you're driving an electric vehicle from Montgomery to Atlanta, you can stop at the visitor center and get nearly a full charge Level in about three. 18 minutes. Yeah. Um, with that one single charging station on the interstate system, we actually opened up that corridor for you know Nissan Leaf, Kia EV Soul. You know the EV Short models that have yeah. shorter ranges mm-hmm. need more infrastructure. So we open up an entire interstate corridor between two capital cities. And then how do you power? With one charging station and it is connected to a solar array. So during the day it is powered from clean solar energy and then it's grid connected in order to ensure overnight operation as well. Um, We also have solar in the pavement that you can drive over regardless of what kind of vehicle you're driving. Even heavy equipment or an 18-wheeler does not disturb the solar cells that are paved into our uh, pilot of Wattway, which is a French version of a solar road. It um, adheres onto the existing roadway, so you don't have to tear anything up, throw anything away, which I think Ray Anderson would have loved. This is just a way for you to take your existing roadway, and with the application of a technology like the Wattway, it begins to generate solar energy when it's not being shaded by a passing car truck. I drove or truck. down there and rolled my car over that thing, <laughs> and I, I got to post the video, and I, I'll, I'll do that on our Energy Matters Twitter feed. Uh, but it is so cool to just think of how heavy this car is rolling over right. this smooth solar panel. And if you take a right, go around behind the rest uh, stop building, uh, and I've done this. I actually do this every time that I come up that highway because, you know, frankly, I just don't check my tire pressure very often. I rely on those lights in, in the car, and sometimes sometimes they malfunction because they're expensive to get repaired. I ride over your what not your what way but your wheel right uh device in the back and then that gives me a printout of the air pressure in each of my Which tires is amazing. and yeah. your tread depth and my tread depth. tread depth and the company has expanded it since they've been on the ray we were the first to debut their sidewall monitoring so they're actively reading the information embossed on the side of your tires which helps them to know what your tire pressure should be and they're uh. training their system their algorithm to spot sidewall damage. So they're training their system. They're innovating in place on the ray uh, to become a system that looks for cracks and divots and other damage and on I, your sidewalls. I know this will, this, some listeners will go, oh my gosh, he's going to quoting Obama. But uh, I just want to go back to when a president was really a, a first class president, and that was President Obama. President Obama actually made a speech on this subject and talked about. Uh, tire pressure and how if we all maintained proper tire pressure in the United States, we would save three or four percent on our oil consumption in the country. Oh, I'll, I'll put a forgetting, finer forgetting point. safety and, and tire I'll, stuff. I'll put a finer point on that. It's two billion gallons of gas wasted every year in America alone. That's money. that's billion with a B. We're yeah. wasting two billion gallons of of oil, foreign oil that we fight wars over simply because we can't properly maintain our tires. Yeah, and, and then the whole safety oh, yeah. thing about, especially with front tires that have low pressure. I mean, it is uh, it is it is very dangerous. You know, we we teed up this idea of platooning eighteen wheelers, and tell us a little bit about this concept of platooning and how you see that happening on interstates in the future. So we already have a couple of companies that we love and um, that we host significant operations here in Georgia, Walmart and United Parcel Service, UPS. They have already invested in the freight vehicle of the future. They have platoon-ready vehicles. However, we don't have the road infrastructure to safely support platooning in operation at interstate speeds. So we at the Ray are working to build the software system and the hardware that a company like Walmart needs to actually drive their freight vehicles in platoon mode or in a platooning function. And what that means is that the freight vehicles draft on each other, right? So they are very close together in almost like a train formation, but on the highway, on the interstate. And it has a number 
of benefits from a safety perspective, it reduces the amount of space in between the trucks, which means that other vehicles can't cut them off are unable yeah. to weave and cut them off. Um, it also reduces their fuel consumption um, and it increases their drive efficiency. So these vehicles are able to arrive faster using less fuel and more safely because they're not having those unsafe interactions with passenger vehicles. And frankly, we don't even know the benefits that we're going to find when we connect our roadway and make our highway smart, but we know that the immediate thing that we can do with the Ray as a connected highway and as a highway that has the appropriate infrastructure for autonomous vehicles, on day one, we're going to be able to say to Walmart, let's platoon on the Ray and let's operate in that mode and let's, you know, let's refine it and figure out how to allow you guys to do it everywhere. Yeah. And, and I consider myself uh, a, you know, a geek and, and I like, I like technology, and I like to try these things. And, and that's I mean, why I like it. You know, and and I mean, we're doing this show to help people understand about technology right. in part. But I have so many concerns about humans uh, that pull over on the side of a, a road and they don't pull over far enough. They're changing their tire. Uh, there's been uh, an accident, and a flagman is there, or a patrol car is there, moving people out you know, to the lane that maybe has to go over a little bit into the grass or the median. How do these trucks respond? Um, well, you know, the, the, the roadway is always a place where the unexpected has been very difficult to expect and predict. But mm. with the technology that is developing with connected freight and connected cars and the way that Georgia DOT and other DOTs will be able to have a regional view of what's going on as it's happening, exactly where it's happening, we'll be able to send messages Decouple to freight drivers. Right. Yeah. Well, this is all exciting about the future. And, you know, you know where you can start, folks, with technology right now? Twitter. Hey, just get hey. on Twitter. Follow me at Tim Eccles and... New Energy Guy. And Allie. Allie and Kelly. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we are so happy that you've tuned in, and we hope that you'll continue to save money, save energy, use technology, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Tim Eccles. Enjoy the rest of your day. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.